Indeed, there is a war going on. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for favor and blessing and divine protection. We thank you for the revelation of Jesus Christ in these very critical days. We thank you, Lord God, that you said you would never leave us or forsake us, Lord God, that that we are not orphans, that we have a heavenly Father. We have a righteous judge who will vindicate us and reward us, Lord God. We thank you for that promise the many promises that you cannot lie. Lord, I pray that you give each one who listens today ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive the revelation and the understanding of the Word of God, that they would be brought back to life, Lord, that you take the dullness from our hearing and the blindness, the cataracts off of our eyes, that we might see, and that the spiritual blindness and the spiritual hardness of heart would be removed from us, Lord. I thank you for giving us encouragement, enthusiasm, enthusiasm in God being enthusiastic in the things of God, excited, Father God. And I thank you, Lord, that you are the the faithful witness, that you are the wonderful counselor, that you will guide us now in this looking into your word as we understand what's in it for me. Amen. What's in it for me? That's a big question that uh, (laughs) is often Sounds kind of unspiritual if you ask me. What am I going to get out of this, you know? Yeah. We think, you know, in just terms in our natural world, you know, okay, I'm going to get this education. What kind of job am I going to get? What yeah. kind of grade am I, I going to get? Do what something kind of job to, am, I, yep. am I going to get? If I if I do this, what what, what am I getting? If I'm going to buy something, yeah. What what am I going to well, get? It's kind of the, am I going to get the bang for my buck? Right. The whole world philosophy is based on what's in it for me, and this is kind of the demonic motivator. Uh, for all activity, I mean, people wouldn't work. They wouldn't get up in the morning. They would do anything if they didn't have to feed their mouth and if they didn't have to provide shelter and, and, and clothing for themselves. And so we kind of are geared on that. You know, you got to do, do, do something so you can have something, so you can be something. And this is kind of the world view. This is the demonic worldview, which is contrary to God's worldview. But we can see here in our passage today, we're looking in Mark, how the guys are still kind of hung up in, or, or they haven't quite yet crossed over into the full kingdom of God principles. They're still kind of looking at, you know, uh, getting their positions, and and especially now with Jesus talking about going to the cross, they're kind of wanting to get some final promises here, some you know uh, things written in in writing for. Let's so to make speak. a deal. Yeah, let's, let's make yeah, a deal. Yeah, let's so make sure. The setting here is guarantees just, just mm-hmm. right. Guarantees. Do I have a guaranteed salary? Do I have a you know a position in the kingdom? Do yeah. I have a guaranteed position? Yeah, right, that's what they right, want to know. Right. But. The setting here is that they had just uh, had the encounter with the rich young ruler, and, yeah. and Jesus had said, "You know, you, you, you got an idol here. He wanted. He said he wanted to follow Jesus, but he says you really can't because your idol is your stuff." And he went away because he had great possessions. Well, I, I don't think Jesus was actually condemning him. He was more like bringing it to his attention, but. It also raised the, the contrast between what the disciples had. They were just following Jesus. All they had was their sandals and their shoes, their, uh, their, their coats. Well, they didn't have any money in the bank. They had a little money pouch. How much money can you put in a money pouch? You know, <clears throat> they yeah. didn't have um, any promises of there being an established government well, coming up where mm-hmm. they'd have positions as prime ministers or rulers. They just had, they were just following in faith this man that, that found them, and they weren't quite sure what was in it for them. Well, yeah, it's like, you know, I mean, we, you know, Matthew had left his tax business. Right. Uh, uh, James and John had left their fishing business. Uh, Peter left his fishing business. So they, they did have a little business going on there, right. too, just kind of a, Livelihood. you know, making Basic, a living, bare that minimums. sort of thing. <laughs> but when Peter says in Mark chapter 10, verse 28, it says, then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. And said, okay, okay, now this rich young ruler wasn't going to leave all to follow and, Jesus. And he had probably inherited his stuff. Could've he been. probably was working hard yeah. to inherit what he already had. 
you know. Yeah, that's. that's but these I mean, guys, they had to work for their stuff. They weren't going to inherit much of anything. I don't think Zebedee was going to give his boys much of anything. There wasn't much to be inherited. So, they said, so a lord, okay, we okay. Now we've left. You said to this rich young ruler, you got to leave your stuff. <clears> follow me. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean everybody that follows Jesus has to sell their house, quit their job. All yeah, right. and we're not go we're not, overseas to live yeah, in a hut right, or something. Right, right. That's that's a that's religious, but and that's says, not God. You said okay, this guy, Peter says is is not going to leave his stuff to follow. Well, we've left everything. Mm-hmm. We have left all and followed you. And Peter, then, Peter was always the one asking the hard questions, wasn't he? Well, he, he's... He's he, just, just he, right he's, there. He's, I mean, he's, he's real. More, he's, he's he's not really smooth and tactful he's, he's sometimes. He's gregarious. He's the spokesman. He's got kind of the gift of gab. He's kind of unpredictable, kind of and up and unprepared, down. too, uh, I think. Unprepared. <laughs> but, I mean, yet, yet you he, love he's him. a lovable guy. you mm-hmm. got to love him. Mm-hmm. Jesus loved him, of course. So Jesus answers him and says... Assuredly, I say to you, in Mark uh, ten twenty nine, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. Oh, he had to throw that in there too, didn't yeah. he? And in the age to come, eternal life. But as but many who are first will be last, and the last first. So there. And, and you know, he said the same thing in Matthew. Pretty much the same thing. He says, and then Peter said in Matthew nineteen twenty seven, almost the same thing. But you know, it's kind of interesting if you cross reference on these, you'll find some little adds and subtracts. Then Peter answered and said to him, "See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have?" So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, in the, gen- in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, or fathers and mothers, or wives or children or lands for my sake, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit everlasting life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. So you see... It's a pretty much the same topic, the same conversation, but there's a few little differences. Uh, he says in the in the regeneration, when when the regeneration comes, when is that going to be? Well, he tells us is when the Son of Man sits on His throne of glory, mm-hmm. and so then he says something interesting that uh, that you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. This really talks about something being very um, futuristic, the eternal rewards. Um, You know, they were specifically going to be given something very specific, obviously the 12 thrones or or places of judgment and 12 tribes to judge. They were going to have specific thrones and specific jobs to do. Um, So this was, I think, way out of their range. I don't think they were thinking this big. I think they were just thinking. I don't know what were they thinking in terms of rewards. Well, what do you suppose they were hoping they would get? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we. It's difficult for us to think of like future rewards. I mean, yeah. really, you think of it. Okay, you know, believers, we're looking forward to being with Jesus in heaven someday because of our our faith in Him, because mm-hmm. what He's done for us on the cross and resurrection. But it's hard to, you know. I, I mean, Paul said. He said, "There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness." Right. Uh, yeah. And it's okay. What? Okay. What is that? It's a crown of righteousness. What okay. does that mean? Uh, and he says, "Jesus said, you're going to be ruling. You're going to be uh, in in leadership, ruling uh, on these that, uh, thrones yeah, yeah. in this new life. There's going to be some sort of government. There's going to be some sort of uh, the positions of authority." Well, it says in Isaiah chapter nine that the government shall be upon his shoulders, mm-hmm. and then. Paul says, "If we if we suffer, we endure with him. We shall also reign with him." Mm-hmm. So, in Daniel, talks about the saints, uh, this the kingdom coming to the saints of the Most High God. So there is there is there is the reward. There is not just like well, you just don't get nothing but trouble down here, and you know you do it because you're just you know nice nice guys. Mm-hmm. He, there is reward. There is position. 
Uh, and the, some- the Bible says that the meek shall inherit the earth. Right, right. And so there, there is a what we're what we're dealing with all the way through this this chapter, it, this yeah. passage. It, it's like dealing with the the principles of the kingdom of God, which are mm-hmm. really uh, reversals or the opposite uh-huh. of the most common worldly values and and way and views and views yeah you know it's a it's a whole different it's a kingdom world view well going kind of back to what he's saying in matthew about 12 thrones and 12 tribe judging the 12 tribes is a specific job if we in in mark as we go forward in the passage the section we're in he says in verse um they're asking him again when james and john the sons of zebedee came to him privately saying teacher what uh, which will you do for us whatever we want, whatever we ask? We want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, well, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us that we may sit on your right hand and on your left in your glory. Now, as if the 12 thrones wasn't a big enough deal, they wanted more specific privileged places on the right and left of Jesus. And before we get too far into that, there's those verses here in verse 32 uh, he was talking about worth persecution. You're going to have all this stuff, but you're going to have persecution, mm-hmm. and and so persecution really is 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 like a test. I mean, you of, know, of loyalty. Were, were they going to remain te- loyal? Will you remain loyal? Are you in this for mm-hmm. just for mm-hmm. what you can get, right? Or are you willing to endure well, through the rejection? Yeah, through the rejection that yeah. comes to you from the world. Jesus said, "Marvel not if the world hates you." I mean, yeah. so That's we a, just, oh, we want to be, shocking. we want to be popular. We want to be loved. Everybody seems to want to be loved. Right? Avoid conflicts. Avoid conflict. Stay out of trouble. Gonna be you. nice. Paul said to Timothy, he says, all those who live, will go, live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer, will suffer persecution. persecution. So you're going to have. Well, why is that? Because we're living in the world and the world resists the kingdom of God. We are part of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is going to suffer resistance at the hand of this evil system because the God of this world hates the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we are that one. Yeah, we belong to that kingdom. Of the kingdom. But now, it's interesting, too, that aren't they saying as we're talking about persecution, they're coming up to the cross. He's starting to talk to them. Yeah about the crucifixion. Yeah. He says they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was going before them and they were amazed. And then as they followed, they were afraid. First they were excited, I suppose, amazed, excited, and then they got afraid. Then he took the 12 aside and began to tell them things that would happen. So he was getting very specific, get in their faces. Look, guys, this is it now. This is it. We've been talking about this for about three years here. We're going up. I am going to be crucified. And behold, he says, we're going to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered to the chief priests and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And the third day he'll rise again. This is way much. This is like the worst news you could ever receive. I mean, we're going up for the Passover. It's supposed to be a feast time, time meeting the family, you know, getting together. It's a big, the biggest, one of the biggest, most exciting times of festival in the Jewish calendar and they're going to go up there and have a crucifixion. And it's interesting too how um, he said this, uh, and the son of man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes. Well, my question is who was delivering him? That's for another day, but who was delivering him up, you know, to the scribes and to the Pharisees who was giving him into their hand. Obviously it was the forces of darkness that had um, premeditated this murder, this crucifixion to their own demise. The forces of darkness. It mm-hmm. was the the plan of God. It was in the perfect plan of God. Right. The forces of darkness were rallying against Jesus. Right. Cruelly you could feel it. Rallying sure. against Jesus. And I believe you know, but but there behind that is the perfect beyond plan that. Of God yeah. Mm-hmm. To to bring redemption to mankind, and you can see these disciples as they're going up they're to confused, Jerusalem. Yeah. They're they're talking about persecution. They they're, they're sensing. There's I believe there's a foreboding. Right in their hearts. What's going to happen to us? Something's yeah. well, going to happen. Okay, here's the deal: we've left all to follow you, Jesus. Yeah, and here okay. we are, crisis here, here's time. Here's the deal. Okay, we're thinking early on: this is the Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Lots that, of proof, lots of miracles. That was mm-hmm. that was the message. That was the the thought, the statement of Peter. You are the Christ. Men, people had all different opinions. Yeah. About he said, "Are Jesus. you going to leave me too?" Jesus said, and Peter says, "Well, where, where can we go? Where should where, we go? Where, where else are we going to go?" There wasn't anything else he 
There was so, nothing else on so, the horizon for okay, him. Okay, we've left all to follow you, Lord. And then you say you're going to be persecuted, you're going to be abused, rejected, um, cruelly treated, wow. Wow. mocked, scourged, Dishonored, spit upon, shamed, shamed mm-hmm. and, and, and spit and, upon, mocked. And then, yeah. and then it's like, not only what are we supposed to do, it blew away their whole concept of the Messiah. The idea, uh-huh. the Jewish, prevailing Jewish idea of the Messiah, and in, in, in a sense still is today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The rescuer. The... A, a, among among the, the non-believing Jewish people, they're looking for the Messiah. He is to, to look to, as the rescuer mm-hmm. from political oppression, uh, oppression mm-hmm. you know, that, that has, over, has been Overtaken there for a them. long time. Yeah. So here... It, they're thinking the Messiah, okay, if he's coming, he's going to overthrow the Romans. Again, keeping in mind that Israel at this time is an occupied territory. Right, right, right. They're, they're under the Romans. thumb of the, the pagan Roman <clears throat> Empire. Well, can you imagine not only the political, economic situations, the social status of these guys, but they had also thrown their hat in the ring for everything that Jesus had promised them. You know, they were seeing themselves being able to do the miracles and cast out demons, and they were all excited about that. And they'd heard that their names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and Jesus says, and you should be excited about that. Uh, and so they had this spiritual uh, treasury beginning to build up in their, in their you know, lives, in their futures, but they weren't able to understand what that was because what they were thinking was, okay, can you imagine, and this is where it brings, comes down to home, you know, this is where you, you can listen for yourself now. You, you, all this stuff, you've already read it, probably. You already know this. You, we're not telling you anything you didn't know. But now think about this. How much of, how, how many of us get dashed on the rocks of bitterness through expectation? They were expecting. They were expecting God to do mighty things, to bring his kingdom now, uh, that they were going to see themselves being elevated, honored, uh, promoted, to the highest positions, right and left hand of Jesus, 12 thrones. And, and, and they had, but they didn't, in the beginning, I don't think they started following Jesus because of the, uh, of the expectations. But as they went along, you can see, he says, if you ask anything in my name, greater works than these shall you do, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And you and I, we have received that, that also, that information, that revelation, that gospel message of these promises. And yet how many people, I, I know there are people, I know people, I know their names, People who have started out with God, hope for great things, you know, great ministry, mm-hmm. be preaching to revivals of thousands and thousands or whatever they're doing, building schools and, 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 and hospitals and whatever they're doing. They have these big pictures of ideas of what they should be done or have accomplished. And then when they look at, at the, as they grow older and older, and it doesn't happen and doesn't happen. And pretty soon youth is going away. And now we don't have the youth to, well, we've got it yet. We've still got a future. We've still got 20, 40 years, whatever. Now we're starting to see we don't have 20, 40 years anymore, and we have to look back and we say, wow, this didn't happen. This didn't happen. And, and so there's a temptation to become discouraged and bitter. Yeah. And here's the disciples. They have the same opportunity to become bitter right now because it's all ending it's suddenly like, within what? a couple, three, four days. We've left everything. What are we going to do if you die? So what do we do with our lives? What do we do with our lives where we have had... Uh, bitter root judgments against ourselves for not accomplishing, bitter root judgments against God for not fulfilling his promises, uh, you know, bitter and angry and blaming other people for their, their this and that because they were in our way. What do we do with all of that disappointment? And then that's exactly what he talks about in Hebrews. Do, do not be discouraged. Be encouraged. And, and that's interesting, too, but it's kind of off the subject, but on the subject. Well, they, they no, the book of Hebrews, we don't know who the human author was a lot of people think it's the apostle paul i'm not sure we're not sure who it is it's a but, mystery. but he was the author under the inspiration of the holy spirit was addressing the the jewish believers that were receiving a lot of persecution mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it was from their own countrymen probably most oh, of it yeah. was from you left judaism you broke the traditions of men jesus yeah. to follow this who renegade they, renegade imposter yeah this rebel, rebellious one, because he was breaking a lot of the laws right and left and wouldn't keep their Jewish traditions and blah, blah, blah. I mean, we can go on with that for a long time. But in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, um, <clears throat> Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with encouraged, with endurance, or endurance, the race that is set before us. So this, this spirit of bitterness, and, and bitterness is anger that has been swallowed, kept inside, hidden, being mad at because there's an offense, because there's an injustice, because the promise wasn't kept, because something failed, because I didn't get what I was wanting or, or I, I, you know, what I signed up for. You know, well, there's, an, there's a bitterness and a discouragement. And so he's saying here, endurance, you have to endure. And what is the, what do we endure? The temptation to become bitter, to become discouraged, to become uh, full of regret or, or, you know, you can look at the apostle Paul who wasn't in this scene, but later on that man had so much he could have regretted. He had so much he could have been bitter about. He had so much he could have been upset with himself and other people about his churches are leaving him. The, the, right. the, 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 the Demas has forsaken me. The coppersmith's lying about him. I mean, you've got, these guys are real guys. They have real lives. And Paul, at the end, he says, forgetting those things which are behind. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. He says, there's some things you just got to let go of. You got to forget because it ain't doing you any good. Well, yeah. Think of the prophet Jeremiah. God told him. Oh, yeah. Him too. God told him right from the beginning when he called him. He said, okay, listen, I'm giving you a tough job. You're going to speak my word to this nation. They're going to refuse you. I know. Nobody's nobody's going to repent. Nobody's going to listen to you. <laughs> you know, everybody's going to reject you. So what are you going to do? So he preaches, preaches. He's known as the weeping prophet because mm-hmm. his heart, Lamentations. His, heart is, his mm-hmm. heart is broken over the, the sinful But he didn't condition. take it personal, though. Well, he didn't say, well, you know, I've really failed to deliver God's message. It was kind of good because in the beginning, God already told him this wasn't going to work. But it, it, it nonetheless, God in his heart of mercy and compassion and giving them a chance. I'm sure. I'm sure there was some... That listened to him, but not the ones who, you know, were in high positions. And so, but he endured. Jesus, it says in going back to Hebrews chapter 12, he says, but he says, with endurance, run the race with endurance. Um, That is said before you, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher Mm -hmm. of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is where, this is the guts of the whole thing. He's going to the cross right now. He's enduring what he knows is going to happen, the mocking, the shame, the the spitting, the, the, the jeering of the crowds. The, pain, the, the crucifixion, he's knowing that, but for the joy that was said before him, for the joy of the promise, the joy of what's coming, the joy of, of the hope in the future, um, he endured the cross. He, he, he cast down the shame. He rejected it. He didn't take on the shame. He didn't say, well, I failed. He, he sat down at the right hand of the Father in the throne of, at the throne of God. So his reward was coming. But to get to the reward, they had to go plow through a whole bunch of hell. And that's kind of the way it is. He's just setting up the disciples saying the same thing. Because You're he's, going to have to go through yeah. the same kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. He asked them, he said, are you able to drink the cup right, exactly. that, I am, that yeah. I am drinking? And they said, yes, we are. And, and like, well, yeah, we'll see <laughs> it's back. like we'll find yeah. out. But you see, yeah. every one of them, with the exception of uh, Judas... And and, John. and of course, you know, and John the Baptist, uh, not John the Baptist, John, John the, the Apostle, apostle yeah. uh, John died marac- martyrdom, died, mar- yeah, for and, martyrdom. in old age. They all died as martyrs. So they drank of that cup of blood suffering. shed. They they Shedding they, of they blood. gave all. Yeah, they and he well, all. you know, backing up again, going back to looking what Jesus was looking at. Jesus was taking the example, giving the example here of. Um, you know, we're going to go to the, the hill, Golgotha, and I'm going to die there. And my flock, you guys, are going to be scattered. And then he says, I prayed for you, Peter, that when Satan wants to sift you, this is going to be messy. Because P- Peter's going to be driven out and, and brought to the brink probably of suicide, but he didn't do it. How many of us are brought to that brink of something like that to end it all because of discouragement, because of bitterness, because of self-condemnation, because of Satan's lies and temptations. But going back to thirty-five, verse 35, it says they're on with this greatness thing, <clears throat> this question. And then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, brothers, came to Jesus, his cousins, of course, came to him saying, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Okay, you know, give us whatever we want. And that same parallel, that parallel passage in Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28, it says that mom was there. Mom came with him. She, it says mom came. That's Jesus' aunt right there. His aunt. Very yeah, likely, Mary's the, sister. The Mary's sister. Yeah. So it's like a family deal. So, you know. Salome. She, yeah, and she wants 
what's best for her boys. I mean, it's a natural thing. Moms and dads want their kids to succeed. Yeah. Right? I don't know why they, they, they thought that they should thing. have it and not the others. Maybe maybe they're trying to play the well, relative card. I don't know. What they... You know, hey, after all, we're family here. It right? was a little um, opportunistic, if you ask me. I mean, I think some people uh, are shameless when it comes to their kids but trying to get an advantage for them. They will lie, cheat, steal, lie, bribe, do all kinds of things to get advantages for their kids. Well, uh, but here, But here we see um, uh, she... What do you want me to do for you? Then they said, they said to him, and they said to him, grant us that we may sit on your right hand and on the other on the left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, do you not, do you not, you do not know what you ask. Can you drink? You're talking about that, Jerry, of the cup, be baptized with the baptism, the death, the, the persecution. And they, you know, ignorantly and eagerly said, yeah, sure, we can, we can do oh, that. Yeah, no problem. And Jesus said to them, oh, boy, he says, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and the baptism that I am baptized with. You will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. It is for those for whom it is prepared. Now, this is a very interesting concept. It was prepared. We were formed before the foundation of the world. We were known. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. This thing was uh, these thrones, these positions were prepared for someone for whom it is prepared. It was set aside. It was a position that was, a, there was a name on it. There was a, a but it, we, we don't know who it was. Jesus wasn't saying who it was, but we see that there is a certain kind of specific um, preparation. There's a kind of a, a specific rulership and jurisdiction. He gave them their specific rulership and jurisdiction when he said, you will sit with me on 12 thrones. But he didn't say you're going to have that throne on the right and on the left. That was reserved for someone else. We don't know who, maybe not, maybe no human. It could have been one of the other beings that God had already appointed in heaven. You know, the, the, the one with the face of the man and the, the, the bull and the eagle and the other dudes up there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, they're kind of weird and strange. But who knows who's supposed to be sitting up there? Who knows what it is? But, he's, but the interesting thing is that he is talking to them about there's specific places, uh, positions, uh, rewards, uh, it's, it's in the future, but it's very specific. And I don't think we ever look at that either, um, you know, when we're thinking about ourselves. We're not thinking about anything specific um, because I think we're too uh, fogged out. I don't think we really get the reality. This makes me see the preparation of these positions, the promise of the 12 thrones, the, you know, trying to get into the, the right hand, left hand, and the specific. This makes me realize this is a real deal. This is a real kingdom. This is not just a, you know, a nice spiritual Sunday school lesson here. Nice, you know, passage read out of the Bible. There's meat to this. There's, there's veracity to this. There's truth to this. There's, there's, this is the foundational principle. You know, we are so used to living in four dimensions that we forget that there's probably 104 dimensions out there. And that just because we can't see it or feel it or haven't experienced it does not mean it cannot happen. We have many things that Jesus has promised us that cannot be experienced exactly in our human bodies with our five senses. There's, it, it, it takes the revelation of Jesus Christ working with our spirit, his spirit bearing witness with our spirit to get the comprehension of a lot of these things. But the kingdom of God and the future of the kingdom and the coming of the return of the king is real. Yeah, it is. And in, in the, the values of the kingdom of God, you know, are, are like we were said earlier, opposite of that which is in the world. If you read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? The humble? Mm-hmm. The humble are the blessed ones? We think the arrogant, the 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 the, uh, the top dogs are the blessed ones. And so there's a, there's a value. The thing is, living in the kingdom of God. Yes. You're going to be... You're gaining the, assets for eternity. You're gaining assets for eternity. Your treasure, even though where your heart is, there your treasure will be. He says, send forth these treasures up into heaven, right? Even though you feel like people are just trashing you here on earth. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, we, we like to be liked, but we're not going to be liked by everybody. Well, that's because we, we don't even like ourselves. And that's well, kind of a tricky right, thing, too. Right. How and, the I devil mean, gets us all set up in opposition be to like ourselves. like a bull. We should not be at the place where we're just annoying and nasty and stuff like that. But righteousness, yeah. you, said, you said, here's the deal. Take the example. Jesus, perfect man, perfect <laughs> righteousness, right. perfectly holy. People 
some people him. loved mm-hmm. him. Most people hated him. Some people loved him one minute and hated him the next. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's it's a very fickle deal. But he had a course to to to, to rock to, to run to front. He had a race to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's like you read in Hebrews. You know, run the race, the course with, that is set with, before us. Mm-hmm. What looking to Jesus, the author looking and what the fin- right he's yeah. the one that began it. He's is some. I think one translation of the scripture says he's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Now, Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, get, yeah, and the middle. Everything he's everything mm-hmm. in the middle too. And so when, of course, now we have two. We have a human reaction as they come, um, you know, to him. And obviously, the others overheard something here. Um, you know, he's t- he's talking to them about, you know, the trouble that's going to come to them being baptized with uh, death and uh, and persecution. Um, and it's there. It's not even going to accomplish for them what they really think they want. They think they want to sit on the right hand and the left hand. You know, I think the Lord knows what's best for us. Let him choose your rewards. Um, it, it's enough to know that he knows your name. It's enough to know that he he has a specific word of knowledge for you. He has a specific healing for you. It is enough to know that he walks with you in your affliction, then you're not alone. Once you grab onto that revelation that you're not alone, Jesus is with you, that he's got it, he loves you, he's watching over you with tender mercy to give you strength and encouragement. He's not trying to cheat and do it for you, but he's giving you all the grace and strength that you need to accomplish whatever it is he's put, you're, you're being put through right then. To know that you are loved and to know that you know that you're loved is at this point in this world, the best, the most fulfilling, the most strengthening revelation you can have, because that brings with it peace and love and healing and deliverance. So then, but we go on, of course, the others were hearing um, what he said in verse 41. But when the 10 heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. Now, um, they they were murmuring. They were, what what are you guys talking? Yeah, who, what, do you, who, do you, who do you think you are? Yeah, what what about me? You know, Peter. What about me? I you're, mean, you're, I've been you're just ta- in the top three for this. you know. And yeah. So it's kind of like they were at least wanting to go after it. They were at least uh, you know willing to risk getting in trouble with the rest of them to 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 say what they wanted to say. Which you have to kind of give them credit for that. But the others were displeased and maybe began to murmur. And then so Jesus had to calm them down. Here they are on their way to his crucifixion and they're fighting. And Jesus has to slow it all down, walk a little slower and settle this fight and speak to them about a few more things. And I think what he says here, of course, nothing is lost. Nothing is missed. Nothing's out of step because this was all planned as well. But here's what he says to them. He says, um, Jesus called them to himself and said to them. Now, he had to do that because they were probably walking in a group or a crowd of people on the way, on the road. They used to walk in crowds. So he pulled his 10 guys off the road a bit, and he, or the 12 guys, and he says, he says, you guys, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. You know, um, and, and if you read that in, um, in, the, in, in other versions, it says, and they are, and Lucas says, um, the rivalry, who is the greatest, Luke twenty two twenty four. he says, those who ex- uh, exercise authority and lord- lordship, lording it over them, uh, are considered benefactors. What an irony. What a joke. The people who take away your freedom are considered uh, good for you. Those who enslave you are doing it for your own good. Called a benefactor. This is not, this is a joke. He says, those who take the authority, those who run the show are called benefactors, but they're really not your benefactors because they've taken away your freedom. He says, that's not the way it's going to be among you guys. He says, we're not going to try to be like them. We're not going to try to run the show. Um, you you know that those who consider are, are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones ex- exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to be great among you shall be your servant and whoever... whoever of you desires to be first shall be the slave of all. He's saying, again, everything is upside down. You're missing it. If you're thinking isn't, I mean, seriously, our benefactors, our, 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 uh, our um, prison guards are our benefactors. Mm-hmm. Are those who make the laws and oppress people with them are our benefactors. And we're, and we're grateful to our benefactors for letting us what for letting for enslaving us. They, they enslave us for our own good. No, they don't. They enslave us for their good. 
But Jesus said, permit it for now, permit it to be so for now. This is the world that we're living in, where really the truly great ones are on the bottom of the pair of the, the pile, and the stupid, foolish uh, uh, ones are, for the most part, on the top of the of the leadership pile, as we can see in our country. Um, it's but but see, but that's the way the world. Everything is upside down with them, with us, with God, with the, with the world. It's all upside down according to the kingdom of God. And so Jesus said, "If you exalt yourself." Mm-hmm. You'll be humbled. If you humble yourself, yeah. you shall be exalted. And so, here's the, you know, the the whole the idea of humility. Yeah. Uh, there's a little saying that goes, "Such a humility is such a fragile thing, that he who even dares to think he has it, has it not." That's right, because it's you know that in itself is pride. But Jesus goes on and he says, "For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but." To, to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I think this is why he washed their feet um, at the Last Supper. I think this was the final prophetic yeah, act of, what I mean, he really wanted him to get this lesson. And you think of, okay, here Jesus is authoritative, right? Okay, I mean, okay. In him all things consist. Well, right, yeah. right. I mean, he, he everything was created by through him. Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Through him, as you said, everything consists. Everything is held together. So there, there's no higher authority. Uh, and, and he said, in, you know, later in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through twenty, he says, "All authority in heaven and earth is given unto me." Mm-hmm. So, so he's got this. So he's leading these disciples. He says, "Follow me. I am." Uh, I am. He reveals himself as Messiah, even the though Lamb they didn't understand mm-hmm. it. He's he's Rabbi. He's teacher. You think, uh, Marjorie, how patient he was with these disciples. He calls them aside. He instructs them. He doesn't always just, oh, that's such a dumb question, mm-hmm. or what's wrong with you, you for you know being so selfish yeah. and asking this stuff. He's explaining this to He knows it takes a long time for us to get stuff, mm-hmm. right? Well, to and understand he knows, yeah. and, and, and to get the, the, the revelation. It takes, you know, instruction, patient instruction that he's giving them. But in, in the bottom line, patient instruction has to lead to revelation mm-hmm. where you just, oh, I see it now. I know. I understand. I think they were about six or seven years old in the kingdom of God and the understanding of the things of the kingdom, just like a six or seven-year-old thinks they understand. Um, or maybe they were a little older, maybe they were 11, and thought they understood it all, but they surely didn't. And he says, as he goes on in Luke 22, he says, um, 27, For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. But you are those who continue with me in my trials, have con- have continued with me in my trials, and I will bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestows one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on the thrones, on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. There he repeats it again in Luke, and he's saying, you have continued with me in my trials. That's what makes you great. That's what makes you worthy, uh, if you can earn anything, of just being loyal of just sticking with it, staying with the with me uh, in my trials, being my support, being my friends, uh, being my followers, being the ones that lay the foundation uh, for the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have continued with me in my trials, and now they're going to have some of their own. But he says, I will bestow upon you a kingdom. Just like my Father has given one to me, I will act like my Father and give one to you. I will bestow a kingdom, um, a, a kingdom uh, on you. And you will eat and drink at my table. I'll have a table. You can come to my house. We can eat and drink there in my kingdom and sit on the thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So basically he is isolating these guys and focusing their jurisdiction upon the tribes of Israel, the house of Israel, the Jewish nation. And so you see there's there's actually two different groups of people. There is the house of Israel, uh, the tribes, 12 tribes of Israel, which are still here with us today, scattered about and not maybe as well distinguished and or not claiming as much of the specific um, uh, patriarchy of their father, their specific, you know, whether it's, um, you know, Manasseh, Manasseh or Ephraim or Judah or whatever. But 
Then we have also the other group, which would be the Gentiles, which would be those who are not born Jews or of the house of Israel. But also there will be rewards for them as well. But going back, he says, um, you're going to sit with me. There's specific rewards coming and there's also specific trials coming. And so we we um, we see that they don't quite understand this. They They haven't yet seen what's actually they haven't. They can't imagine you know, him being laid on that piece of wood and those spikes being driven into his hands, his wrists. They cannot yet comprehend that. They, they, we don't, we, we have the same problem. We cannot comprehend what might lie ahead. And we might, we might think we know or are ready for it. But he then tells them another parable. And I think this is very interesting. At this juncture, where, you know, they're talking about going back a bit to leaving fathers and mothers and children and lands. In Matthew, he tells them a parable right after that. For many, the many who are first will be last, the last will be first. And in explaining that, he gives them a big parable, 16 verses. And it goes on, you know the story. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. This is Matthew 20, verse 1, verse 2. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And when he went up out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. And they went. Again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? Then they said to him, because no one hired us. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever's right, um, you will receive. So they all went. They were willing to go. So when the evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to the steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. Start with the ones hired at 11. At 11. And when Why those, be beginning with the last well, first? Well, he had a plan. And, oh, when they, okay. and when they came who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. And they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they murmured against the landlord, the landowner, saying, the, These last have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal with us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? Whoa, ouch. So the last will be first and the first will be last. For many are called, but few have, are chosen. I, I believe what this parable represents is a several things. It obviously represents something that's... that's, um, that's uh, that's static, that's stationary, that doesn't change whether you worked all day, got saved when you were four years old, or got saved when you were 80 years old. It's something that that doesn't change, and I believe it's referring to salvation. They all got salvation. They all got the denarius that they agreed with. The one, you know, put in the sweat of his life, you know, worked for Jesus, got all kinds of, you know, beat up all kinds of ways, lost all kinds of houses, lands, and families for the name of the Lord. And the guy who gets saved on his deathbed, he just kind of gets squeaking into heaven because of the uh, because of the agreement and so and so that that parable has to do with grace it has to do with salvation giving equally not dependent on uh, without regard to or respect to labor or works and so that's really what salvation is all about and but there are two things here there's not only salvation we also understand there's sanctification which means that God is taking the time and the, the time that you have between the time you accept Jesus Christ and the time you meet him uh, is a time of cleansing the house, sanctification, purifying, um, refining, teaching, uh, developing you. It's, it's a, it's a wonderful time of refining us. But then at the same time, it's putting down the idea that even though this parable is talking about people working and being paid for their labors, the actual interpretation of it is the contrary to working and getting paid for their labors because they're not getting paid fairly so that something else is going on. This man, the la- the lander says, am I, am I evil? Uh, because, you know, are you... He said, what, he, what did he say here? Hold on. He said, is your eye... Evil, yeah. Is, is your, your eye evil because, because I am good? Yeah, 
yeah, it's like, okay, so you, you, you know, the, we're, we're at this place where we need to understand that God has another purpose. And I think the rewards come in that, that place. It's where we have been saved through grace, not of works, not of, not of our, not works, lest we should boast. It is through the grace of God. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. But the flip side of that coin, and it is the same coin. The flip side of the coin is that those who give away their houses, lands, and, and suffer and give up their, their own ambitions, et cetera, their mm-hmm. own careers, their own plans to follow Jesus will also not only receive benefit in this world, which is, I think, peace and stability and, um, you know, uh, family, you know, yeah. it, even, but, but in the, in the world to come in the next world, in the one that's just above beyond, beyond this dimension, mm-hmm. there is also a special places, positions defined thrones, uh, kingdoms, jurisdictions that we will be given. And I don't know, I'm not going to say whether the guy who comes in on, at 80 years old is going to get all that stuff. I don't know. And it really doesn't matter because I'm not going to tell the Lord what to do. I'm, my eye is not going to be evil. I'm going to be glad. Like David says, I, I'm, I'll be glad just to be a housekeeper or a doorkeeper, actually a housekeeper in the, in the kingdom of God. I don't right. think they have housekeepers, do they? They just have doorkeepers because there's no dust. Said, I'd, rather no... Be, I'd rather <laughs> be a doorkeeper yeah. in, in the courts of my God than to uh, be in the tent of the wicked. Mm-hmm. So God is not committing any crimes here. Is it not lawful for me to give you a, to do what I want with my things? If God wants to give a, give you know kingdoms and powers and diamonds and crowns and whatever he wants to do to the people, they're his to give. Um, and we are not, he says, is your eye evil because I'm good? There's a, if, there, if that's there, if that jealousy is there, if that comparison is there, then you're still centered on works. And, and I earned it and I should, and, and, and the anger is I earned it. And he's saying here, you know, salvation cannot be earned by the sweat of your brow or working out there in the field all day or keeping the Ten Commandments. Salvation is given freely because you agreed to go into the field. You agreed to, to uh, with the, the amount of the wage that you were going to be getting. And so, but if our heart is evil, your eye is evil because I'm good. It's going to be evil if you think that you still have it coming. You still earn something here. We, we, we don't earn things. I mean, we are faithful. God is faithful. We're not trying to be responsible. We're, tr- we're f- simply really following Jesus Christ, to follow Jesus, to do what he wants, to, to live, to please him. So it's not, it, it's not, I'm not my own. I bought the price. I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me in the life I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. The, the, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And I'm crucified with Christ. So to live is Christ. And so this is the new mentality of the true followers of Jesus Christ. And if you are still basing your walk on earning something or deserving something or comparing yourself or... And you know, one of the things, honey, I, that really troubles me is how the immaturity of the church the immaturity of the of the leadership of many of our churches not all i'm not going to say that but th- it seems the general consensus still seems to be something of striving to promote a social gospel or a gospel of inclusion or a gospel of tolerance uh, or a gospel of numbers and positions and and steeples and buildings and and and, and making a, it's empire building really it's not building the kingdom of God. It's building your, you know, people who have put their name on their church. It's so and so's churches. So that to me is just an affront to the truth of Jesus Christ. It's the church of Jesus Christ. Paul even said that I baptized a few of you, but I'm not. You're not my. I'm not. Uh, you know, you're not my disciples. You're followers of Jesus Christ. I think so much of this reward type of thing and this, uh, we go with appearances. We go with how it looks. We go with bigness. The I, I think that's really. Um, childish, immature, and in the end, it's going to be very disappointing. Yeah, it is. Because, you know, like you said, empire building, you know, measuring success by the size of a a church or a facility of a church or the number of staff people or how much recognition you get um, around the nation for your achievements and your accomplishments and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so it... And we're vulnerable to flattery then, aren't we? The kingdom, <laughs> yeah. yes, the the kingdom and of that's God. That's Jezebel right there. Following Jesus is not an ego trip. No, it's okay. a crucifixion. It's a walk 
of death. It's it's really dying to yourself, and and then as you die, you you don't you don't go away. You become transformed but the, into the walking the spirit. But, but there's 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 blessing. You know, Jesus said, if anyone come after me, uh, Matthew yeah. sixteen mm-hmm. twenty four twenty seven, he says, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Mm-hmm. If you seek to save, seek to save your own life, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose your life for my sake and the gospels. You're going to save it. All right. In other words, your life is not your yeah. own. You're, and, gi- you're giving your life over to yeah, Jesus. Yeah, you're Sometimes investing think, your life. Yeah. Okay. It's like, why would I want to do that? I mean, what? I mean, what? What's in it for me? Well, in a sense, you know. So, so a lot of people say, "Well, man, I want my life to be. I want to be, you know, well, you know fulfilled. You know, I want to have all this stuff." But we have to remember: yes, there's persecution. Yes, there's rejection from the world when you're following Jesus. But also, we have to remember Romans fourteen seventeen that the kingdom of God mm-hmm. is three things indicated there. Righteousness, righteousness, peace, peace and, and joy, joy in the, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. You have those things. You have righteousness in the midst of uh, not. It's the righteousness that's imparted to you by God. It's mm-hmm. the righteousness yeah. of Jesus yeah. that upon your life. Mm-hmm. Not only it doesn't come, not only righteousness imputed to you, considered to your account, but righteousness actually imparted to you. So you actually there is a character development that that. The character of mm-hmm. Jesus is developed in you through the power of the Spirit, as the through power obedience, of the Word. Mm-hmm. Through transformation. And, right. Yeah, and you know, a lot of times people think that righteousness comes from being right, and that's absolutely wrong. I'm not righteous because I'm right. And a lot of people hold on to, I'm right like a bulldog, and they will refuse to humble themselves, admit they're wrong, apologize, or love someone else because they are not going to change their mind. They're going to stay right, and they're going to stay rigid, and they're going to get sick. And they're going to miss the whole point. It's not about being flexible. It's about being that you die. It's not about being right. It's about dying. It's about your righteousness is coming from him. And the peace and the joy are priceless. They cannot be bought. They cannot be sold. They cannot be traded. You can't give someone else your peace. You can only carry your peace into the situation. And that's what a lot of us need to do in these days, which are, you know, really, actually, if you can just stop and pause for a second and think about this in our context you know, Jesus is walking towards Jerusalem for the crucifixion. You know, the Lamb of God, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, who was born among the lambs on that Bethlehem hill, is now becoming the Lamb of God, going into that, that uh, altar, the, the wooden cross, the altar, the human sacrifice for the sins of many, of whosoever will, actually. And we also are facing that now. We are coming, we are walking on that road to Jerusalem. I believe that we are now within... Uh, in his terms, it was like a days or hours or days of his crucifixion. I believe that we are walking into the, there's simply just, you know, compared to in, in, in proportion to, or in relation to <clears throat> the generations, the centuries, human history, we are in the last hours of this, this, uh, earth walk, this, uh, the, the planet earth with its pain and its judgments and its wickedness and all of its rebellion is gone. We are in, we're, we're within hours and I don't mean human hours, 60 minutes, but I mean, but nonetheless, I'm sure there are, you know, we're within hours of Jesus Christ returning. And I'm not saying 12 hours or 10 hours. I'm saying compared to the years, centuries, decades that this earth has been going, we are so close to the coming of the Lord. And some people are, are really putting together the numbers and the blood moons and the, this and the, that. And, I don't know if they're right or wrong. I don't know if these things are significant. They seem to be. They seem to be like uh, like so many things that cannot be a coincidence. They're falling on right dates, and you do the numbers right, and you practically can. And I believe that there's going to be those who are looking looking and, and, and paying attention. They aren't going to be taken by the, the thief who comes in the night. They will be ready. They will know. They won't know the day or the hour, literally, the day or the hour, but they will know the time. They will, the time is a season. They will know the hour. I believe that's very possible. Um, and so I, I, I just encourage each one of you to look up for your redemption draws nigh and let the Lord deliver you. Wherever Satan has got you held in a stronghold right now, it could be in your mind. It could be, I mean, there's, a, there's just an endless number of descriptions of strongholds that Satan sets up in our minds, our hearts, our bodies, our relationships. 
the most important thing is to know the truth. The only thing that can set you free is knowing the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. You shall know the truth. If you continue in my word, he said, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So one of the greatest rewards that we can have on this earth right now is the freedom of knowing the truth and not being caught up in the mesmerizing, stupefying uh, lies of this world that they've tried to uh, weave the webs of seduction and, and, and stories and mindsets and things that cannot save us. It is time to wake up and know that you just have a little time left to basically let Jesus Christ get your act together for you and with you. Well, Jesus said, whoever desires to be great among you shall be your servant. In other words, the greatest one, if it's me and the one that's serving me, the one that's serving me is the greatest one, is the greater. So the greatest, yeah. greatness in the kingdom of God is serving. I think, well, Loving, if I serve, caring. You know, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be a doormat, you know. <laughs> People are going to take advantage no. of me. What he said Whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of mm-hmm. all. And here... He who seeks to save his life will lose it, right? Right, right. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Mm-hmm. He had so, to do it. So mm-hmm. here he comes to serve us with salvation. Okay? He gives his life a ransom yeah, for many. He's yeah. the supreme example Yes, he, you know, we mentioned earlier about He's him the washing God the disciples' mm-hmm. feet, which was the, the job of the lowest servant in the household to wash the dirty feet of the people that came for dinner. And the, there was no servant there at the time, and none of the disciples at that point were saying, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take care they of the foot washing today. forgot to a point, today. yeah, right. No, 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 yeah. we're not going to do that. But um, I, the, the, the greatest example of service to mankind is Jesus Christ giving his life freely on the cross. Right. And, and so mm-hmm. even for us, if if you are in your job in Europe in a position of authority and leadership, you're serving people through leadership. Right. It doesn't mean, mean to, that we have to take a back seat and have to say, I don't know, and be right. passive. It means that you're strong and you know who you are. This is the real key because 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 otherwise... You will be tempted to become, you know, you, you, Jesus called us victorious victors, and, and and Satan wants to call us victims. And the 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 world is promoting a, a great, um, uh, I don't know. Well, it's a victim mentality. Yeah, it's a, it, the victims somehow become the the ones who get loved and get attention and get that. Jesus did not consider himself a victim or abused. Even though he was abused, he was supremely abused. He was accused, abused, lied about, set up. Uh, in every way, and yet he did not ever take those shots that people shot at him, those fire, the, 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 he never took it personally. And he never said, well, what about my rights? Well, what about I'm the son of God here? What about nobody's you know, respecting me? You know, I'm done with this. I'm walking out. He never got huffy. He never got personally offended because he never took it personal. Everything that happened to him, he knew was going to happen, and it wasn't because of him. It was because of the hatred Satan has, the contempt he has for God, God's people, and the things of God. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, of a slave, right? Mm-hmm. Coming in the likeness of man. He humbled himself just to come as a man. Yeah. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and, and given, given him, him a, a name, name which is above. The name which is above every name, mm-hmm. that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, Amen. and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the this Father. This is the yearning. This is the vindication, the day when every knee will bow. Every creature, every serpent, every dragon, every liar, every... Uh, elitist. <laughs> elitist. Everyone created uh, by God and those created by, you know, the concoctions of, of man, whatever they are, everything will bow to Jesus Christ. And this will be the day of justice and vindication. 
And so now we just want to invite you real quickly to um, to seek the Lord, pray. What manner of man ought we to be? What what manner of man ought you to man woman ought you to be? As we see the days rapidly approaching for the coming and the return of the Son of Man, He is at that point in time. Your time is basically up, and you will have what you have, and there won't be any way to get any more. So we're going to invite you to our our uh, new conference coming up. Um, I give you power. It's on March twenty third, and it's in. Um, uh, check the website. Uh, check the Facebook. It's in Saint Paul park at the household of faith church on uh, saturday march 23rd get the details the time i think it's uh, 10 o'clock to three food included yay and um let's go to liferecovery.com or facebook marjorie cole marjorie cole's facebook or life recovery facebook and you'll find some stuff out there okay. all right so god we pray right now for this awesome opportunity to become part of uh the latest and greatest and most powerful things yet to come upon this earth Yet to come, Lord God, it was awesome when you created it, and now it's going to be awesome when you transform it. So we praise you for the the book of Revelations. We thank you ahead of time. Please deliver your precious people out of the snare. Uh, Pray that you be able to uh, be spared from the wrath to come. We pray this, Father, for all of us, for all that pertains to us and those who you that pertain to you, that you would be blessed and protected and. extracted from this mess, Father, in Jesus' name. And that we will serve you with, from our hearts with gladness for and your peace. glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.